Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing and encouragement and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. What a blessing. Wow. Amen. What a day that's going to be when we all finally make it home. And uh, I encourage you to be praying for our young people as many of them head back to school and our young people are in uh, already, Fauquier County already started and uh, Prince William County this week, I think. I don't know, Prince William County, they usually start about four months after Fauquier, I don't know. Anyway, pray, pray for them too. And, uh, and then some of our... Uh, uh, Christian schools, private schools, homeschoolers, moms and dads getting back into the swing of things. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Psalm 149. Psalm 149. This will conclude my micro-series on praise. And uh, I didn't set out to do uh, a, a little bit of a series on praise, but uh, how appropriate that the last couple of weeks uh, we sang songs of praise uh, as a choir and then as, as a church family. And, um, and so we'll see what the Lord has for us today. What can praise do? That's the question. What can praise do? Uh, I can tell you that this message is not exhaustive. I will not be able to uh, share all that praise can do, but maybe just a few reminders and hopefully a few encouraging thoughts that you might be able to take and put into play in your own life this coming week and even beginning today. Look at Psalm 149. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Praise you the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Pay attention to this phrase. Sing unto the Lord a new song and His praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in Him that made Him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their King. Let them praise His name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we do praise your holy name. Lord, we are most grateful to be able to gather in this place to to sing songs of praise, to worship you, to give you the glory that you so rightly deserve. God, we think about some of these songs that we have already sung and they remind us not only of your greatness, but your goodness and your love towards each and every one of us who have called upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. And Lord, your sustaining grace is immeasurable. Lord, I pray that 
as we look at what your word has to say this morning, God, I pray that you would be pleased. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And so, Lord, I am relying on your strength today, Lord, to bring me through this message. Lord, as we talk about praise, I pray most of all that you are pleased. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in our midst, somebody watching online that is not able to, to communicate their praise to you for some reason or another, Lord, I pray that you would break down that wall, that you would, that you would encourage their heart that it is not only right, but it is healthy, it is pleasing to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that doesn't have a relationship with you just yet, through your son Jesus, Lord, I pray that today will be the day that they would understand how much, how deeply, how passionately you love them. So much that you would send your son to die for them. Lord, that they might call upon the name of the Lord and be saved this very day. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunities that we've already had to pray and to praise. And Lord, I pray now that you'll use your word as only you can do. And Lord, we'll give you the praise in, ad, in advance for it. And we pray this in the precious and powerful name of your son Jesus. And for his sake, the people of God said amen and amen. Well, the reality is praise is a part of life, right? It's a part of life. Moms and dads, parents, they praise their kids. And grandparents actually praise the kids even more than mom and dad. That's just a reality of life. And I guess the good news, uh, many times grandparents say, man, uh, why do you spoil your grandkids so much? Because they're going home at 3 o'clock, you know, <laughs> or whatever the deal is. But uh, teachers praise their students. Coaches praise their players and their teams. Praise is a natural part of life. It's fundamental to every aspect of life. Last week I shared that uh, we praise whatever we value, whatever we prize. We praise what we support. We praise the things that we love. We, we praise one another sometimes. That's the, that's the crazy thing. We, we praise someone or something all the time. And in some sinful way, sometimes, if we're not careful, we get caught up in praising ourselves. Have you ever done that? Say, I'm so good. I'm so great. And then your wife says, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Right? And so there's always a voice of reason in the back of my head that brings me back down to earth. Sometimes we do that, though. But what about our praise too? And what about our praise for God? Where does that measure on the Richter scale, so to speak? Look at verse 1. Interestingly enough, back in verse number 1 of our opening text, the Bible tells us to sing unto the Lord a new song. And so this is a theme that we see all throughout the Scriptures. In fact, it's just about everywhere you look, you can see praising, you can see blessing, you can see honoring, you can see glorifying, and on and on it goes. In fact, the Psalms are chalked full of references about praise. In fact, Psalm 33.3 says, Sing unto the Lord a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. David declares in Psalm 40, verse number 3, that he has put a new song in my mouth, even the praise of God. Well, why could David say... In verse number 3, that God had put a new song in his mouth. It's the same reason that you and I can say that God has put a new song in our mouth. Because if you go back to verse number 2, David says, guess what? He's the one that brought me up out of that horrible pit. 
He's the one out of that miry clay. He brought me up. He established my going. He set my feet on a rock. He established my going. And so verse number three, you go back to verse number three, and he says this, he hath put a new song in my mouth, even the praise of our God. Psalm 96, verse number one says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all years. Sing unto the Lord. And then watch, it says, bless his name, that word bless means to praise, to, to kneel in adoration or to praise. It says bless his name and show forth his salvation from day to day. Psalm 98, 1, oh sing unto the Lord a new song for who has done marvelous things? He has done marvelous things. Psalm 144, 9, David said, I will sing a new song unto the Lord upon a psaltery. He says, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. I like what C.S. Lewis once said. He said, praise is inner health made audible. Think about it for a second. I was asked, in fact, I think I was asked Wednesday night, is it required that when we're praising God, that we're always making noise. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think there are opportunities where we praise God just by how we live. But as we gather together for worship, and even when we're not gathered together for worship, you know it's okay if you praise the Lord with your voice. Oh yes, oh yes, it's inner health made audible. Over in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42 and verse number 10, we're told to sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. The bottom line is that when we are healthy spiritually, praise will come out naturally. If everything is going right on the inside, then guess what? Praise is going to come out. If you're worshiping, if you're serving, if you're walking with Jesus, there's no way, there is no way that you can tell me, man, I'm living for Jesus all the time, and yet you never have a new song in your mouth. That just doesn't, it doesn't add up. And I'm sorry, don't hate the messenger. The reality is, if you are in love with Jesus, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. You say, well, I'm, Pastor, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I don't, I, don't, I don't do much singing. I like to keep my mouth shut. You know, the Bible says you count it wise if you keep your mouth shut. So I'll, I keep my mouth shut. Yeah. But it also says that God, once he puts a new song in your heart, that it ought to come out through our praise and through our worship and through our adoration. Oh, my friends, if we're not careful, our lack of understanding, and, and to be honest, I think what that's more about sometimes, more than less, is sometimes we feel a little embarrassed. We're like, well, if I sing, I might, you know, somebody might look at me funny. Well, guess what? Most people look at me funny anyway, right? I don't have to open my mouth to get funny looks. Just go to Walmart. You'll find out. People will look at you funny, uh, and you don't even have to do anything. Sometimes it's a lack of understanding, fear of embarrassment, sin, or other distractions that actually restrict and silence our ability to praise. I think about the wise man Solomon. You know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. But what Solomon didn't understand was that the best was yet to come. He said, hey, there's nothing new under the sun. He looked here and it was vanity and vexation of the spirit and on and on. And he looked at the, the going after of wealth and he looked at uh, making vows unto God and on and on. And, but the reality is the best was yet to come. 
And he didn't understand that there was going to be a new and everlasting songs that would continually be placed in the hearts and in the mouths of new believers all the time. Do you know that every day people are being saved all around the world? That's a whole lot of new songs. We ought to be singing praises. I think if we consider the lyrics of one of the old standards, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved Make it personal. That saved a wretch like me. He goes on, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Now, if you and I just took those two lines of that iconic song that most people know from heart, or at least that first verse most people recognize. In fact, you know what? Unbelievers actually recognize the lyrics to Amazing Grace. But as believers, if we were just to meditate on those two very lines, we could come up with new songs all the time. I could sing a song. My wife, many times, she says uh, that I come up with songs. I hear, I hear music playing, and, and I'll throw new lyrics into them. Most of the time, they're goofy lyrics, that, you know. And she'll say, you have this ability to throw lyrics into, into rhythm patterns and everything. Can you imagine if we just focused on, I once was lost, but now I'm found, and just come up with a new song and sing about how great our God is. Oh, listen, if we all had this opportunity to sing and praise God, man, we would stay busy forever if we just praised His holy name. In the book of the Revelation, in chapter 5 and chapter 14, you can see that even the 4 and 20 elders, they're, they're singing praises and you see this everlasting songs, these new songs of praise being sung in heaven. By the way, there's a song for the redeemed. One day we're going to sing a song that nobody else can sing. And you say, I don't know the lyrics. You will then. You say, I, haven't, I, haven't, I, I don't know the lyrics. I think it's holy, holy, holy. Jesus is worthy. Things like that. Oh, what a day. And, and so we see this songs of praise being sung in heaven, but what can praise do here and now while you and I are living on earth? And so here's some thoughts for you. Maybe they'll encourage you. Maybe they won't. I pray that the Lord will use them. Uh, number one, here it is. What can praise do now? Praise testifies of our relationship with the Lord. It's a testimony of our relationship with the Lord. Look at verse number one again. The Bible says, Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Now, if you go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that, when, when be, uh, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes in. And guess what? We get a new song. What's that new song singing about? Well, we, it's a new song because we have new knowledge of, of God. We have uh, his manifestations of his greatness and his goodness and his love and his mercy are new every day, the Bible tells us in Lamentations chapter 3. Oh, my friends, his deliverance. Have you ever been delivered from times of sickness? That ought to put a song in your mouth. And it ought not just come from here. It ought to come from your whole entire being. Times of deliverance from sickness and distress and the loss of a loved one. When you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh listen, we have songs that we can sing of praise. Spurgeon once declared that we do not gather to amuse, to entertain, or to extol ourselves. Yet we gather to worship and to sing his praise. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. Amen. 
I think about Psalm 81. I was looking and I, I had planned on only putting verse number 10, just a very small portion of verse number 10. But in Psalm 81, notice what the Bible says beginning in verse 8. And I think it's important to connect 8, verse 9, and this first part of verse number 10 together. Because in verse number 8, here's what the Bible says. It says, Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O Israel, now notice this big two-letter word, if, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shall thou worship any strange God. Watch it. I am the Lord, what does he say? Thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. He says, open wide thy mouth and I will fill it. It's wonderful for me to know that I am his and he is mine. He said, I'm the Lord and I'm not only the Lord, but I'm the Lord your God. And he says, so open up your mouth, and I'm the one that's going to fill it. So here's the key. Whether it's talking about manna, it don't matter what it's talking about. Whether he's putting your mouth, he's feeding you, or whether he's giving you something to pray about, or he's giving you something to praise about, we ought to be joyful people. Because he's the one that's doing it all. He says, I am the Lord, thy God. Oh, this is what he says. In the Old Testament, before the tabernacle was ever prescribed or built, you know, God... He tells Moses in, in Exodus chapter 25, and I believe it's in verse number 8, he tells Moses, he says, hey, listen, he says, get these guys, get them together, and have them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, among the people. And so Moses sets out to do this, and, but here's the thing. We have the tabernacle, and we could go on talking about uh, this tent that Moses sets up around the Ark of the Covenant and on and on. But the reality is when we get to the New Testament, we find out that God's dwelling place is no longer in a temple made with hands. God has decided, guess what? How, this, this is a circuit breaker, blower. God no longer dwells in a temple made with hands. He dwells, watch it, in the heart. The being. I'm not talking about the organ that pumps blood. Brian and I were talking about this the other day. We're not talking about an organ that pumps blood. We're talking about the entirety of our being. He's decided, guess what? I'm going to dwell within believers. Guess what? As you walk out the door, you're a temple. You're a temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have. And guess what? You didn't get it on your own. It was given to you. And so we're to glorify God in our body and our spirits, which are the Lord's. You can look at that in Scripture. Oh, wow, I think of Psalm 100 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Now hold on to that. In the Old Testament it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And so the important thing to remember is that this temple of God in the Old Testament was divided into three parts. You had, the, you had the outer court, i.e. the court of the Gentiles. You had the inner court. And then you had the holy of holies. But guess what? There's only one gate. You get to the New Testament, guess who that gate is? Jesus is the only gate we get to the New Testament. Listen, if we're going to enter into the gate and to worship God, you think about even in the Old Testament, the reality is that that the, you had the outer court, which is court of Gentiles, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. Only the priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. But when our great high priest, when our great high priest laid down his life on a cross, on old Golgotha, on a hill, 
called Calvary. When he laid down his life, here's what he did. He ripped the veil in two and he said, guess what? No longer do you need some man to come to God's throne or into his presence. You can come through me, God's only son. Oh, what a wonderful gift that we can praise. We can approach our great God with thanksgiving. We can enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Oh, and we can do that on the inside. You say, well, why can I do that on the inside? Why did they have to go? Because of Jesus. He has set us free. And the reality is two reasons come to mind as to why we can do that. Number one, I said Jesus is the only gateway to praising God. And then also because David said in Psalm 22 and verse number 3, he said that God, watch it, God inhabits the praise of what? His people. He inhabits the praise of His people. So when we were singing... And we were singing to the Lord. You know, some of it, when we sing praise songs and, and hymns and worship songs, okay, some of it is encouragement this way. But all of it is praise this way. We're singing praises to the great I Am. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we serve. Oh, we ought to be praising the Lord on a daily basis. You know what? I think it's okay to praise the Lord before you go to the Lord in prayer. You say, man, I need to go to the Lord in prayer. How about stopping to give God some glory before you start asking for what you want? Right? Isn't that what Jesus said when he taught his disciples how to play? He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start with recognizing the greatness of God before you actually get into what we want. Think about before Bible study, it'd be good to praise the Lord. Could you imagine if all our Bible study classes out here, all of a sudden you started hearing people sing and shout praises before they even opened up the Bible? Oh my gosh. This place, I know people would come and they say, they're crazy. They, they, they're singing praises. They haven't even opened up the Bible. Yeah, we ought to start singing praises the moment we wake up. Giving Him glory for another day. Oh, we ought to sing praises before we gather for worship. We ought to sing praises. Here's where you really need to sing praises. How many of y'all got to get up tomorrow and go to work? I got news for you. I used to do that thing called Ride 66, in and out. And when it was a parking lot, I'd cut over to 29 and 50. I'd cut over to the left side, over by uh, um, Vienna. And I, I would find every way I could to get in near the Pentagon all the time or get over into D.C., you need to praise the Lord before you get into the middle of that traffic. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, because there's some, I'm just going to be honest. Do we, do, do we have any aggressive drivers in this church? <laughs> nah. I know, you don't need to point it out. I already, I already know. I already know. We're going to take his truck away. <laughs> Listen, we, there's angry people on the road. Angry people who need Jesus. Could you imagine? They'll think you're a nut, by the way. They'll think you're a nut if you're riding down 66 or 95 or the Prince William County Parkway and you're just singing to Jesus. They're like, oh my gosh, there goes a nut. But you know what? You just let them go on by you. Oh, we ought to sing praises, young people, before we go to school. I got news for you. Some of you are getting ready to go back to school. Some of you have already started. Some of our college students are getting ready to go back. Can I tell you, there are people in your school who will try and pull you down to live a life that's not pleasing. So we got to praise them before school or any other thing. 
Oh, listen, we praise. And when we praise, it testifies of our relationship with the Lord. Secondly, praise changes things because praise, watch it, it changes us. It changes things. Man, this, this person I'm dealing with is, is angry. This person was nasty to me. They said some hurtful things to me. Guess what? It ain't about them. It's about what you're going to do with the love that you have for Jesus. Praise changes things because praise changes us. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse number 6, the Bible says this, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, Watch this, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught. Now here we go, abounding with what? With thanksgiving. As we live and as we breathe, we're to be abounding with our thanksgiving, with our gratitude, with our praise. And so as we walk by faith on a daily basis and the world is trying to tear us down, if we walk in faith with some thanksgiving, the reality is it's going to be translated through our own worship, through our own praise, through our own gratitude, not because of what the world is doing to us, but what because of Jesus has already done for us. Oh, man. I can tell you, when praise of, for, and to God is emanating from our heart, it's going to have an impact. By the way, and I'll, be, I'll just be bold enough to say it, it's going, to, it's going to have an impact on the devil. He doesn't like the praise of God. So it's not only going to impact the devil, it's going to impact us, and it's going to impact our Lord. Oh, listen, because praise touches every aspect of our life. The reality is with praise, our outlook changes. Here's another one. If you want to hold on to anything, hold on to this. Not only does our outlook change, but with praise, watch it, our communication changes. You say, whoa, hold on a second. What are you talking about? If you got a problem with the tongue, then I encourage you to praise God more. Because out of the same mouth, James says, blessing and cursing cannot happen. Those things are inconsistent. And so if I'm spending more time praising Jesus, if I'm spending more time praising God, I'm not going to turn around and be like a double-minded man and start cussing this person out. So not only does it change well, our praise, not only does it change our outlook, it changes our communication. Now watch this. And when our communication is changed, here's what happens. Opportunity knocks, right? Opportunity takes place. You say, what's the opportunity? The opportunity for hearts and minds, not only ours, but for other people's hearts and minds to be changed takes place because we're praising God. Anybody know anyone whose heart and mind needs to be changed? Maybe we've been going about it the wrong way. Maybe we need to turn from doing things our ways and try and do it God's ways. It's an amazing thing. I think about this. I put here, however, the lack of praise opens the door of discontent. If I'm never praising God, if I'm never thankful, if I'm never grateful for anything that God does, then guess what? I have the opportunity to get angry. I have the opportunity to get swayed. And, and anybody ever gotten soured over a situation? Like, man, that stinks. I don't even like that. Well, the reality is, if I, if I have no gratitude here and I'm not praising God there, the reality is I can become discontent. I can become angry very, very quickly. And so it's very important for us to praise God. I think about Jesus when he tells his disciples in John chapter 14. 
He's eating the Passover feast with his disciples. And here's what he says. He says, let not your heart be troubled, right? And he goes on, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there, you may be also. But the first words he says is, let not your heart be troubled. Why do you think Jesus said that? Because he's getting ready to tell them some bad things are about to happen. He says, guess what? You guys don't know this. But in a very short order, they're going to arrest me. They're going to condemn me. They're going to beat me like you have never seen anybody get beat. They're going to crucify me. See, he knows what's coming. And so he begins by telling his closest followers, he says, let not your heart be troubled. And he goes on and he teaches them that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He talks to them about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter coming after he leaves. And they're so confused. They're like, we don't understand all of this. And then Jesus says in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and without me you can do nothing. And then he gets down to chapter 16 and he says, guess what? There's going to come a time when the world will try to kill you and they will think they're doing the they think they're doing God a favor by doing it. And so you get to the end of his dissertation at the end of chapter 16. And as it's up on the screen, you see what he says. He says, these things, all of these things that I've told you. Remember, I began by saying, let not your heart be troubled. And then I gave you this whole discourse of everything that's going to happen. And then he says, guess what? These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Hold on, time out, what do you mean we're going to have peace? This is crazy. We're, we're following you. We're wanting to learn more of you, and you're telling us that you're going to leave. You're telling us that, that a comforter is coming. We don't understand what's going on, Lord. And he says, it's okay, because in me you can have peace. And he says, watch this. He says, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good comfort. Be of courage, because I have overcome the world. Now here, let's put it together. Jesus hadn't died. He hadn't, been, he hadn't died on the cross. He wasn't buried. He hadn't ascended to the Father yet. So all of these things are happening. And so in essence, because of their faith in him, Jesus is telling his disciples that they could be comforted, that they could praise, they could rejoice in him no matter what came their way, no matter what tribulation happened because of who he was. Now here's the deal. You and I can do the same. I don't have to be concerned about tomorrow because I know who holds all of my tomorrows. Should I faint and pass out right now? Should the Lord call me home right now? I know where I'm headed. That's a comforting thought. I have no, I have no, no doubt that I'm going to be with Jesus. We sang that song. Can you think about what it's going to be like when we all see Jesus? Not just a few of our loved ones, but when we all see Jesus, every believer. What a day that's going to be. Philippians chapter 4, I, the Apostle Paul, he tells the church at Philippi in Philippians 4 verse 4. A lot of people love to hate this short verse, but he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, we used to sing that catchy chorus. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, 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 and again I say, all right, man, I love that. You say, you're a nut. That's okay. I'm screwed to the right bolt. Ah, you'll get that later. 
the admonition that Paul gives. Now, you got to understand, Paul's situation at this point is not good. <laughs> but the admonition that he gives to the church who had supported him, who had prayed for him, who had been co-laborers with him, was that they could rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what they faced. And he tells them twice, like a parent has to tell a child, don't touch that, don't do that. And we tell our kids twice, some children more than twice. If you're blessed, you might have a child that you can tell them once and they will get it. I'm guessing most of us have so encountered the aforementioned twice or more times. The Bible tells us that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, tells them this twice. I think it's really important and that it's repeated because I think the Holy Spirit's trying to encourage the church at Philippi that there are no exceptions to the rule. Rejoice in the Lord. Watch it. Always, always, no matter what's going on, no matter when you lose your loved ones. And, you, and see, we look at death one way. God looks at it very differently. Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of His saints. We look at it as defeat. We look at it as loss. We look at it as tragedy. And it is, and on and on it goes. But Scripture says that God looks at it and He says, Woo! Another one of my kids is coming home. What a homecoming day that will be. Oh, my friends. Galatians 5 and verse number 22 reminds us that this joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that we have when we trust Christ. We get these gifts, this fruit, so to speak, of the Holy Spirit, and joy is one of those things. Learning to praise God, even when things are not going our way, will change things because it changes us. Number three, praise empowers us to fight battles against spiritual wickednesses. Anybody got a battle going on right now? Praise will empower you to do battle today and tomorrow against evil, against wickedness. Last week I shared how praise can be this key weapon in our spiritual uh, warfare arsenal. And so I shared that last week in verse number 6 of our text. The Bible says, let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand. And so last week, remember, I shared the story of Jehoshaphat and, and Judah as they were marching to war in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And as they sang praises to God, they get to the place of the battle and, and the enemies that they were supposedly going to have to face, they're all laying there already dead. God had already provided the victory. And He did it. They were praising. But I have to digress. I go back to verse number 6 because it says... In verse number 6, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. But watch what it says. And a two-edged sword in their hands. So what about this two-edged sword? Hold your spot and flip over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to see something. It's page 759. 759, Ephesians 6. And you might be close if you get over to 759, to Ephesians 6. Look at this, because it's incredible what Scripture tells us. In verse number 12, drop down to verse number 12 in Ephesians 6. It says, For that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against, here it is, spiritual wickednesses in high places. So whether you knew it or not, we're in a battle. 
You say, well, I'm not in a battle. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Well, so am I, but you're in a battle. You're in a battle, and the sad reality is many times we don't even know it. We've got, we're like ostriches sometimes. We've got our proverbial heads in the sand, and we come up, and we're like, what's going on? And then we put our head back down in the sand. The reality is we are all in a battle. But look back at Ephesians chapter 6. Go back a couple verses, because in verse number 10, it says that we're instructed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, Now watch what it tells us to do. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so if you read on, you can look as I'm talking, but if you read on, you'll figure out that this armor that God is talking about is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the the shoes prepared with the gospel of peace. In other words, that's just uh, 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 the, the indication that you and I are to just keep on keeping on, sharing the love and the truth of the gospel with people. But then look again, it says the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And then ultimately Paul points to another weapon or an arsenal in our arsenal which is prayer but only one only one of those so-called parts of the armor of God speak only one speak of an aggressive attack against evil what is it look at verse 17 here's the one article that speaks of an aggressive attack. Not a sit back, not a retreat, not a, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to rock the boat. But here's the one, one weapon that we have to use. Remember, our verse says, praise in the mouth, two-edged sword in the hand. What are we talking about? Look here. It says, the sword of the Spirit, which is... Listen. Some of us have been fighting with people too long. I'm going to be honest. Y'all need to put down the wicked swords and pick up the only sword that will make a difference in your life and the life of somebody else. You know, they always used to say when I was a kid, sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Let me tell you, whoever that person was that lied to you, You tell them to get behind you. That's the devil. And I'll tell them myself if they come to you again. You know what I'm talking about. I love you and I love your family. There's some wicked people out here, folks. We have to, though, hide ourselves in the armor that has been prepared. Watch this. It's already been prepared. It's already been given to us. And here it is right here. I tell people all the time, if you want to have the mind of Christ, here it is. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 5, here it is, the mind of Christ. But we got to get into it. You're, you're no match. Listen, we're no match for the devil. We're no match for anyone else. I think about any soldier, any marine, any sailor, any airman, any space force guardian, any coast guardsman or coast guardswoman men or whatever, right? I want to be politically right, right? Any one of them know that if they're going to go into battle or if they're going to accomplish the mission, they must be prepared. Would we agree? Do you know that you and I, too, as believers, must be prepared? (laughs) We're no match. We're no match for the wiles of the devil. Listen, we're going out of this place, and today some of you are going to be confronted with evil five seconds after you get out of the property. The question is, how do we respond? How do we respond? Do we respond in anger or do we respond 
with the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. Listen, you don't have to go around being mushy-mushy, but you don't have to go around either being an anger monger and a hater. Listen, we're too blessed to get caught up in that. And by the way, I think that if I'm going to be prepared, hiding God's word in my heart is a pretty big part of getting prepared. The Bible says in Psalm 119, in verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God is true, it never fails, and it endures forever. I think about Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. It says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Earlier I said, when your heart is right, your mouth will be right. I believe that to be true. I'm going to give you a Pastor Greg hashtag right now. Everybody likes a hashtag. Here's your hashtag. The word, if the word of God takes root in our heart, it's going to make its way out of our mouth. If I hide God's word in my heart, see, because Jesus talked to the Pharisees, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks in Matthew 12, verse 34. If I'm hiding God's word in my heart, there is no possible way that it is not going to come out. And guess what? You know one of the ways it comes out? Praise. God's word comes out in praise. Praise binds the enemy. It binds the enemy. I think about 1 Peter in 5.8 reminds us that the devil, as a roaring lion, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. But the reality is from Scripture, I can say and I can prove to you that the word of God and praise is combined as a weapon that has the power to stifle his strategic advances. You say, where do you get that? You remember Jesus when he went out in the wilderness? And the devil was tempting Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Each time the devil goes to tempt Jesus, he tempts him first. He says, oh, turn this stone into some bread. And he's like tempting him because Jesus has been out there 40 days and so he's hungry. He's been out there fasting, you remember? And so the devil gets him when he's weak. By the way, the devil likes a weak target. I just showed you right there. That's how, it attacked, how he attacked Jesus. So Jesus is out there. He's fasting 40 days. He's hungry. He's starving. I mean, some of us are starving and it's not even lunchtime yet, right? Can you imagine 40 days? So he comes to Jesus, he says, hey, turn the stones into bread. And over and over again, Jesus just keeps on pointing the devil to different things about the greatness of God. In verse number four, Jesus responds. He says, listen, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In verse number seven, right before that, the devil says, hey, cast yourself down and, and the angels will save you and on and on. Well, you get to verse number seven. Here's what Jesus says. He says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. Now watch, thy God, similar to what I read to you earlier from Psalm 81. He says, the Lord thy God. Folks, there's only one God. Don't be confused. There's only one God. Don't let the world try to dupe you. There's only one God. And then verse number 10, remember the devil before this, he's like, hey, listen, if you'll just throw yourself down and worship me, I'm going to give you all of these things. And then Jesus responds, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Thou shalt praise the name of the Lord thy God. Interesting, who is Jesus talking to? He's saying, he's in charge of you too. You still have to show up at the staff meetings. Now that's a mind boggler. You're going to have to do some, you're going to have to do some research. But the devil, even, I don't know, maybe they have Monday morning staff meetings, I don't know. That's, a, that's one of those things. I wonder if they have staff meetings on Mondays or Tuesdays. You know? 
But every time they have a staff meeting, you say, where do you get that? Well, because when they had staff meeting in Job chapter 1, guess who had to show up? The devil had to show up. Oh, there's more that we can learn there. Oh, the devil. By the way, I was sharing this, I think, with Darren the other night. Since the devil is walking about as a roaring lion, a couple of things come to mind. He's, he's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is just a little sidebar thought. Number one, he's an imposter. He's not a lion. There's only one lion of Judah. He's not a lion. He's walking about as a lion. He's an imposter. But here's another thing. Maybe you've never thought about this. He's walking about as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Evidently, there are those who are in God's witness protection program that he cannot affect or change. And guess what? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? The witness protection program? And ye shall be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. Evidently, there are some who are under the protection of Almighty God. And I just happen to believe that praise goes a long way to keeping that protection on us. By the way, you can go read Psalm 91 and read all about God's protection. Oh, what a Savior we serve. Nehemiah in verse 8, in chapter 8, verse number 10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Conversely, I would suggest that the lack of joy is your weakness. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then the lack of joy would, would equate to being a weakness. To be sure, every one of us have probably gone through seasons of disappointment. You may be here today. You may be here today and you're going through disappointing time in your life. You may be discouraged this morning. You may have gotten to the point where you don't see a way out and you're struggling with despair. Maybe you're struggling with depression. I don't know what the situation is, but I can tell you I too have been there in my life. I've been through seasons of life when it's hard to praise. I didn't say it's always easy. There are times when it's hard. It's really tough. It's really, really something that you got to work at to praise God. There are times that we will all go through these. And I'm not trying to make light of anybody's situation. But I found out in my life that whenever I have taken off my lenses and replaced them with God's lenses and I started looking at things from a different perspective and not only the me oh my, poor is me, woe is me attitude that I started seeing changes in the situation because God was taking care of it all. Verse number two and following of our text says, let Israel rejoice in him that made him, i.e. their creator. And then also it talks about their king. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Talking about Israel then and believers, those who are redeemed now, he takes pleasure. He will beautify or adorn the meek or the humble with salvation. And you heard Wednesday night we talked about the name of Yeshua as being salvation. Oh, listen. Speaking of Jesus, I, I was thinking about this when I was reading that the other day, that a lot of times I give people this verse in counseling, and I tell them to write it uh, five times on index cards, uh, and just place it, like on the bathroom mirror, place it on the fridge, put it in your car, up on the visor, put it at work in your cube or your office right over by the, 
by the computer. And if you want to write this down, I pray it'll be an encouragement to you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. It's a great verse to just write down and memorize. And, and, uh, but, but the idea, I think about this verse and this idea that the Lord takes pleasure and he beautifies the humble with salvation and on and on. I just think about in, in Philippians 4.8, it talks about if there's any virtue, if, there's any, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise on something, think on those things. Don't get carried away with stinking thinking. That'll keep you from praising God. Praise is a source of strength. The word of God we know is quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Going back to our verse. So when Satan, by the way, he's a subtle dude. When Satan comes, a calling, and I got news for you, he will. He does. And sometimes you don't even recognize it. It could be someone very, very subtle. Something very subtle. And be the devil trying to get you off track. I just think that when the devil comes that we need to be armed. And the way that we arm ourselves is with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If we would use the word of God and the praises of God, I believe that we would do ourselves a huge, huge favor. Number four, praise keeps us focused on God's power rather than our problems. By the way, if your prayers are always problem-centered, if there's no praise in your prayer, but your prayers are always problem-centered, you too can become discontented, soured, or swayed, right? It's like, oh, God never, never seems to get over. I never seem to get out of this situation. Never get over Listen, man, I want to tell you something. Just pray your way out. Just serve your way out. Praise your way out of that situation. You say, how do you do that? I'll be honest with you. I'm doing a little bit of it right now today. My wife knows what I'm talking about. I'm doing a little bit of it right now today. And it's not me, it's the power that's working in and through me. That's what Jesus does, right? He's able exceeding to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in and through us. Listen, that's called faith. You just got to exercise faith. Oh, listen. Got to keep focused on his power rather than our problems. Hebrews 13 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good, verse 16, and to communicate, forget not, for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. God is pleased when he sees and when he hears our praise. Verse number 5 of our text goes on and tells us to let the saints be uh, joyful in glory and to let them sing aloud upon their beds. Can I tell you, not all of life is a battle. Would you agree? Anybody had some good times? Some enjoyable times? Not every day of life is a struggle. But in those days, our praise should be no less than when we have struggles, right? It should be consistent praise all the time. Spurgeon said, the thought of the Lord taking pleasure in us is a mine of joy never to be exhausted. Oh, listen, Psalm 147, 11 says, the Lord takes pleasure or delights in them that fear or reverence him, in those that hope or wait patiently in his mercy or his kindness. I think about this, we get excited when our kids or other families trust us. At teens, when we go to camp, you know, sometimes they do the, the whole trust fall. Or maybe you're a parent and uh, you've had this thing where you've been in the pool and you're like, jump, jump. And, and the kid's like, uh, you know, they sit there on the edge and they wiggle and they, and they jiggle. And you're like, just jump. Daddy's here. Mommy's here. Just jump. And when they jump, you're like, oh, yay. 
you're a big boy, you're a big girl. We get so, we get so crazy about little things, right? It's like, oh, look at you. You're only three months old and you're swimming. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. <laughs> we get excited when kids do that. Have you ever stopped to think about how excited God gets when we trust fall, when we trust him completely, when we praise him? Can you imagine if we get excited over a child jumping into the pool? Can you imagine how excited God gets when you and I just trust him completely? We say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to praise your holy name. Oh, that's what God does. God feels this way. And verse number four of our text says that he will beautify. I love this. Look at it. It says, he will beautify the meek with salvation. That word beautify in Hebrew, it literally means to make beautiful or to adorn. To make beautiful or adorn. You know the Bible says that he makes everything beautiful in his time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's different seasons to life. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time and on and on. We can go back and forth all through that. But when you get down to verse number 11, it says that he makes everything beautiful in his time. God is pleased I believe he's pleased with anything that beautifies the environment where he is worshipped. I believe that he was pleased when we sang songs of worship and praise and adoration to him this morning. I believe that he is pleased when we live a life that brings him honor and a life that brings him glory. I believe that he's pleased when we go out from this place and we tell people about Jesus. I believe that pleases him. I believe he's pleased. When we don't answer somebody according to their own folly, but we answer them according to the word of God. Someone has rightly said that flower praises God by being beautiful. We as believers praise him with our beautiful worship. A laying down of our life. Lastly, I want to share five verses with you and then I close. Here it is. The last thing I want to tell you is that praise keeps us from forgetting how much God loves us. As we praise, it keeps us from forgetting. See, we're, we have the tendency to forget a lot of things. That's why we gather for the Lord's Supper every so often, so that we don't forget what Jesus did for us, right? But we have a way of forgetting things, and I don't want us ever to forget how much God loves us, right? That He loved us so much that He sent His Son, that Jesus willingly came and He died for our sins. And so praise keeps us from forgetting how much God loves us. In Psalm 103, what a beautiful passage of Scripture. Here's what the Bible says. David instructs us here. He says, bless the Lord. The word bless, again, means to kneel in adoration or praise. So have this in mind. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Watch it again. Bless, kneel in adoration, or praise His holy name. Here it is again, verse 2. Bless, kneel in adoration or praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, forget not. Forget not all his benefits. That phrase, forget not, means do not be oblivious to the fact that God has provided you with a lot of blessings. Watch what it says in verse number 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, 
who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed. You remember we were talking about a month ago? So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, I don't know about you, but I like the view. I like it when I'm soaring, right? I like it when I'm soaring like an eagle because, see, my problems seem very small when they're far away. And the only way that's possible is when I live a life committed to praising God. Friends, do you know, let me just ask you, do you know how much God loves you? I hope you do. I hope everybody in this room, I hope everybody watching online, somebody who might watch this later, I hope you know how much Jesus loves you. He died. He died for us. If you don't know Jesus, man, can I beg you? It ain't about me. It ain't about this church. It's about you and the relationship that God wants to have with you. If you don't know Jesus, would you just trust him today? Would you do that trust fall and say, I don't understand it, but I get it. I understand that you love me. I understand that you sent your son to die for me. And I don't know you yet, God. I really don't have that intimate relationship, but that's the relationship I want. I want a close fellowship with you. And I don't know what it all means, but I'm going to cast it on you and I'm going to ask you to forgive me. I'm going to ask you to come into my heart and in my life. Oh, do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And if you do, if you say, yeah, I'm a believer then my question is a little more aggressive. My question for every believer here is, if you know Jesus as your Savior, are you praising Him? Are you praising Him not just on Sunday morning for an hour? Do you praise Him on Monday? Do you praise Him on Thursday when the boss says, hey, I need you to work three hours overtime? Do you praise Him when there's... When there's friction all around despite the friction by the way Jesus isn't the reason for the friction if we're experiencing friction there's something else that went awry and so we do a good job I think many times of blaming God for our problems but never praising God for our victories if you're a believer one of the greatest opportunities one of the greatest things we can do is praise God in this place. Praise Him today. Praise Him tomorrow. Right? Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him in the evening. There should never be a time as a child of the living God that we're not praising Him. You say, man, my voice will get tired. I'm not talking about trying to run around here like an idiot 24-7. I'm talking about the life that we live that gives glory to God in the midst of unbelievers. When they ask you the reason of the hope that's within you, that you give an answer in humility, that you give an answer for the reason you have hope in Jesus. And you're not ashamed to do it. And you say, man, by the way, here's a good one. Didn't even think about it till just now. Tomorrow, a lot of people are going to go in the workplace. You want a way to talk about Jesus? Here it is. Because typically what will happen, you'll be standing around the Keurig, right? You go into the Keurig, most places of business, schools, everywhere, they have little break rooms, they have little thing, and you'll be standing around the Keurig. Somebody will come up and invariably say, hey, man, what'd you do this weekend? Ah. You're like, what'd you do? 
<laughs> you know what you do? When they come up and they say, how was your weekend? You say, it was amazing. It was amazing. Here's, here's the wrong answer. Well, we sang hymns at church. I was really missing the guitar player and the bass player. but Oh, well, that's the wrong answer. Here's the answer. It was amazing. I got together with a few hundred of my favorite family members. And we praised God. We, I, I didn't realize, but I, I, praised, I praised God's holy name. I had a wonderful day yesterday. It was amazing. We heard about the things that praise can do in our life. And man, it was a blessing to be able to learn that and to be reminded of that. So, so man, I just want to, man, I hope you're praising God. I hope you love Jesus. I got news for you. You're going to get one or two responses. You're going to get to, okay. <laughs> or if you've poured your life into somebody, they might just listen. By the way, you know that's how it happens. It's no magical, magic trick. When we're real with other people, they tend to be real with us. You have an opportunity that I'll never have because you have a sphere of influence that I'll never have. Tell them about Jesus tomorrow. Say, man, it was amazing. Oh, man, I can't wait. We're having a barbecue on Saturday. We're going to eat. By the way, do you want to come to the barbecue? I can sign you up. It's free. We have such a Savior. I pray that you will go from this place, not just today, but every day, praising his holy name. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, I'm thankful that you opened up the eyes of my understanding when I was just a young teenager. And God, what a journey it's been on. God, that I've been able to grow and to learn more of you each and every day. And Lord, I don't, always, I don't always make you proud, but Lord, that's my desire. Lord, we don't always make you proud, but that's our goal. Lord, help us to walk with you. Help us to represent you well. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that hasn't trusted Christ yet, that they would just simply quietly unto themselves. They would just simply pray a, a simple prayer. It's not about the prayer, but about the heart's desire. Jesus, Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I, nobody had to tell me that. But based on what I know right now, based on the fact that I know that you loved me, you died for me, you, you, you paid the price for my sins so that I wouldn't have to pay the price for my sins. Based on that, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for dying a long time ago. I thank you for paying that price so that I wouldn't have to. I thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, help me to live in a way that brings you honor and glory from this day forward. I need your strength, I need your power, I need your wisdom. Help me to praise you, help me to represent you, Lord, and I'll give you the honor and I'll give you the glory. Now, if that's your prayer today, 
whether you're watching online or you're in this room, if you're in this room, would you just look at me? I'm not going to have you say anything. I see you, young man. God bless you. Somebody else, say, say that's my prayer. Catch my eyes. Say, I, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. Anybody? Got this young man over here. Somebody else. I see you, bro. God bless you. Somebody else. Somebody else. Say, that's my prayer. That's my prayer this morning. Father, you have seen the hearts of these two individuals, the decision, the desire that they have. Lord, we give you the praise for that. Maybe there's others here, Lord, who need to make a, a recommitment to praise you on a regular basis. You say, Pastor, I need to praise God more. Would you pray for me that I would be bold in my praise of God? If that's you, would you just look at me? Catch my attention. Say, I want to praise Him more. I haven't done a good job of praising God. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody, God bless you. Somebody else say, I want to praise Him more. Pray for me. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. I, God bless you. I see you back there. Somebody, bless your heart. It's going to be hard. You're going into school season, right? So just keep on doing the best you can, right? Put people around you. God bless you. Somebody else say, I want to praise God better in the days ahead. God bless you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this message, this reminder of what praise can do. I pray now that you would have your will and your way as we open up the time of invitation, as we sing one final song of praise. God, help us all to know that there certainly is an opportunity to come and to praise you and to pray whatever is going on in our life. We know that we can bring our petitions before you. God, thank you. We love you. We give you the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.